You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. I'd like us to turn tonight to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter number 22. And I'd like to read from one verse of Scripture tonight. The Proverbs is a wonderful book, and many of the Proverbs stand alone. There'll be one verse, and it's a message in and of itself, a powerful and sometimes very practical saying and principle of life that you can live by. But I want us to look at Proverbs chapter 22, and I'd like for us to look at verse number 28, verse number 28. And I appreciate the Millers and hearing that good singing, their testimony. Brother Miller, I thank God for Family Bible Net Radio. And I just, while you're not supposed to use cell phones in church, say amen right there. And uh, I downloaded the app while he was speaking. So I didn't have it, and I have it now. And then I noticed it charged me. But anyway, I don't know how, it was um, 90, 90, only $92, amen. I don't know what it was, but uh, uh, I had to hit one of those little touch IDs, but I, I don't know how much it was, and I guarantee if it was a dollar or two, it was worth it, amen? It was 10 or $20, it was worth it all to hear godly music. Now, I hear family uh, Bible radio, I'll be traveling, turn it on, and every now and then I'll go, go especially late at night, driving home from a revival, turn it on. There was uh, a Lester Roloff or Oliver Green, one of those great preachers, and hear great singing, and uh, it's been a blessing to hear them. I turned it on one night. I thought, who is that? It was me. I was preaching. I said, turn that off. Amen. I was reminded of a man that, uh, you know, there was a man who would fall asleep while the pastor was preaching and he'd do it every time. And I mean, he's an older gentleman and uh, the pastor couldn't stand it. The the fellow would snore and carry on. I mean, uh, just uh, sawing logs while the pastor was preaching. And he got a young man in the choir and he said, come over here, buddy. He said, listen, he said, if that man falls asleep while I'm preaching tonight, I want you to take a hymnal and throw it and hit him right in the head. He said, I can't do that, sir. He said, he's a, he's an older man. He's a, uh, you know, he's been a deacon in the church. I can't do that. He said, you do what I say. He said, plus I'll give you $5 if you hit him right in the head with a hymnal. He said, all right, pastor, I'll do it. So man, sure enough, that man was uh, preaching time began into the sermon about 10 minutes, that fellow leaned back, man, he started snoring, and that young man took the hymnal, and at the pastor's signal, he threw it, hit him right in the head. I mean, the man stood up, looked around, he said, it hit me again, I can still hear him. Anyway, uh, I understand tonight, I hope nobody does that, do I have an amen? Uh, we have some water up here, I think, it's around, and uh, good, good, that's good. Thank you, pastor, and uh, I don't just drink water while I'm preaching. And if I need it, we may have a little baptismal service if you fall asleep. Amen? I'll help you with that. And uh, let's try to stay awake. I know some of you started your day early, and you've been at it all day, and I appreciate that. You ran right home, probably got uh, maybe a Crystal Burger on the way. And uh, if you were here last night, you know what that meant, or a hamburger or something, and didn't eat a whole lot, or worse yet, a Taco Bell. And you got here, and uh, here you are tonight, and I appreciate your faithfulness to the house of God and all that that means. Turn, let's all stand together for the reading of the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 22, verse number 28. I'm so glad my wife could make the trip with me, and she's over here, wave at me, honey, and, and uh, I appreciate my wife of 39 years. And God's been good to us. We'll celebrate our 40th anniversary next August, and the Lord's been good. And I told you last night we got married when we were five, and uh, we are very thankful, and God's given us five wonderful children, six grandchildren. They're amazing. And, uh, you know, children are God, grandchildren are God's reward. Do I have an amen? For putting up with their parents all those years. And uh, they are a blessing. And we thank, they can't do anything wrong. All they have to say is, pop up. Yep, whatever it is. I'll give it to you. Amen. And uh, we have little granddaughters. And uh, man, I, I hope the Lord comes back soon because if they hit their teen, 18 years, Pop Pop 
can I have a car? Sure, here you go. Uh, pop up. Uh, all they have to do is ask. I'll give them anything they want. So uh, I'm already wrapped around several of their fingers. Amen. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Proverbs 22, verse number 28. Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. My wife this morning got some type of a Facebook and her dad has had a little place up in Indiana, northern Indiana for years. It's a cottage there on a place called Lake Wawasee. It's not too far away from Winona Lake. And her grandparents used to go over to the Billy Sunday meetings at Winona Lake. They remember them well. We've been over there to the museum uh, over in Winona Lake near Warsaw, Indiana, and all that the heritage that's there. There's a little movie theater near the uh, lake house. It's right in a little town called Syracuse, and we've never been there. We don't go to the movies, and we, uh, I quit all that after I got saved, and God got a hold of my heart. A lot of preachers go to the movies now, but the last time I checked, there's never been a revival in Hollywood that I know about. Do I have any men to that? And, but in that little movie theater, it's called the Pickwick Movie Theater, and she was sent something by a friend and somebody from the area today, and the Pickwick Movie Theater had had a fire or something like that, and in 1947, they commemorated the reopening of the Pickwick Movie Theater. They talked about the first movie they showed when they reopened, and that movie was called The Courage of Lassie. The Courage of Lassie. I started whistling the theme song for Lassie, and some of you wouldn't even know it if I whistled it. Brother Miller could probably play it on the harmonica, amen? And I grew up with Lassie and Timmy, and he'd come home, and his dog Lassie would run over the hills, and they'd have that little theme song, and over the little uh, dog would come, and it was all, you know, great. And I remember we would watch shows like Leave it to Beaver. Now, some of you didn't have a TV growing up, and I'm glad for you. We had one. We were lost people, and man, our, our great, uh, <laughs> not that having a TV makes you lost. <laughs> let's, let's qualify that. You say, I don't have no TV. You got an iPhone, an iPad, you got a computer, you got everything under the sun. Say amen, but you don't have a TV. But, but um, man, we couldn't wait to watch Leave it to Beaver. We couldn't wait to watch our little shows with Bonanza. Every Sunday night, the map of Virginia City would burn up and the Ponderosa and Hoss and Little Joe would ride out. Boy, how the world has changed. Children are no longer going to see Lassie and a good family and, and watch Ward and June trying to raise their little boy, Wally and Theodore, or better known as Beaver. And we have a different generation we've grown up in. And you understand that a lot has changed in a very, very short amount of time. Now we have kids going to the theater and watching demons coming out of the screen in 3D. We have people watching murder and graphic detail and people killing one another and shooting one another repeatedly and all that goes with it. We now have children at the age of 11 and 12 and watching and involving themselves in things that human beings have no business being involved in. What's happened? I believe somehow along the way, the people of God have allowed some of our landmarks to get away from us. And a little bit at a time, we have removed the ancient landmarks which our fathers have set. And I want to speak on the subject of restoring the landmarks, restoring the ancient landmarks in our lives. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, thank you for allowing us to be in this place. Thank you for this great church and this wonderful pastor and family and the good people you've raised up around him. Thank you for the Millers and the Brubakers and your hand upon them and your calling on their lives. We pray for the Holy Spirit to work here in a great way tonight. Thank you for what you will accomplish in our midst. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. 
all of God's people said together, amen. amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for so long. Our text tonight is a great chapter in, your, in the Bible and a great proverb that was given by King Solomon, who was known as one of the wisest men that the world has ever known. Certainly, he was one of the richest men that God ever put on this planet. If you study the wealth of Solomon, you'll find out he probably could have bought up Bill Gates and, uh, and Steve Jobs and all the other rich people we think about, Warren Buffett, and then some. He was a man that said anything his heart desired. He had it all. Yet toward the end of his life, he said, vanity of vanity, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Here in chapter 22, he gives us a great verse in verse 28, where he says to us, remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. If you study the Bible, you'll find out that a landmark was a very important commodity of life. It wasn't just something for us to go to and to admire. I've been to many landmarks across America, and I've made it my business when I'm in an area. If there is a spiritual landmark or something, some great event or, an, or a revival that has occurred, I try to go near that landmark and find out what happened there in order just to encourage my own heart and faith. Years ago, I was in this city, and I went to the site of the old Oliver Green tent not far away in the city of Roanoke Rapids, and I walked around there, and I spent some time in prayer. I didn't try to uh, look for the ghost of Oliver Green or anything like that, but I did, <coughs> went by there, and I thank God for the fact that a great revival broke out of a church and literally made its way out to the town square, town center, and put up a big old tent that went on for five or six weeks long, and thousands of people got saved. Some of you know about that revival. Some of you may have even gotten the privilege to go to that old-fashioned tent. And so I go to places like that where there is a landmark or some great significant event had occurred. At the time of the Bible, understand the fact that landmarks were a very important part of life. A landmark was used for identity. If you owned a farm, you owned a piece of land, you owned a place to live, you did not have a, a surveyor, you did not have a county clerk's office, you did not have a county recorder where there'd be a land plat there with minutes, degrees, and seconds documenting where your property starts and ends. If you buy a house, they will, uh, they will call for a surveyor survey. They will put stakes into the ground. Now, now they'll use a GPS and radar and all that, and they'll be able to look down on your property through a satellite and determine exactly where your property begins and where your property ends. At the time of the Bible, you would instead, rather than call for a GPS survey, you would go out to the four corners of your property and you would put a monument into the ground. Uh, rich people and wealthy people at the time of the Bible would have a stone made with a family uh, signet on it, and they would put that into the ground, and that became a landmark that said, this property belongs to me. A landmark was used for identity. A landmark was used for security. As long as your landmarks were in place, no one could ever take your property away. It was always yours. It always belonged to you. And if for whether a property dispute, you could go over and say, this property belongs to me. This is my landmark. My daddy put it in there. My great grand, my great, my granddaddy gave it to me. It's been in our family for so many generations, and here's the proof, a landmark is here. Easton's Bible Dictionary says a landmark was a boundary uh, or, uh, or a line indicated by a stone or a stake. A landmark could not be removed without incurring the severe displeasure of God. You understand the fact that uh, God gave some commands about landmarks. God said in Deuteronomy 19.14, thou shalt Shalt not remove thy neighbor's landmark. There was a curse dealing with ancient landmarks. God said, Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. Deuteronomy 27, 17. And all the people shall say, Amen. So they said amen to the fact that they were not to remove a landmark without incurring severe uh, displeasure from God. There was a command 
And there was a curse, and yes, there were consequences of losing your ancient landmark. In chapter 23 of Proverbs, verse 10, God said, Remove not the old landmark, and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. Their Redeemer is mighty. He shall plead their cause with thee. I believe in our generation that a little bit at a time, churches have lost their way. Churches have lost their old landmarks. We have lost our identity. You go to churches now and you have no idea what's going on in that place. There's no sense of people who are there for the house of God. People show up uh, any old way. They come as they uh, they come as they please and leave like they came. There's no change in their life and yet there's no difference from the world in which you and I live. We have lost our landmarks. Certain things were clear when you went to a good Bible-believing church that stands on the Word of God. First of all, people carried a Bible. Same end to that. You say, well, preacher, I have an iPad. A few weeks ago, I had to use an iPad. Uh, my computer wouldn't print my notes out. And it was an awkward feeling for me to preach from an iPad. And preacher, I made the mistake. I said, this, this is the Word of God. And I went, wait a minute. This is an iPad. This is not the Word of God. It contains the Word of God. But this is not the Word of God. But I'm able to say tonight that this old Bible contains is the holy, inspired, and fallible Word of God. We have a perfect Bible tonight. Say amen. And so uh, there are certain things that were clear that were a part of a church. Now I go to a church and I attend a church and I pastor a church. Uh, we still have a choir. We still have things in church that look like a church and let people know this is what we are. I'm not saying that having a pulpit makes you a church. This pulpit is a wonderful thing, but it's wood, it's cold, and it's dead. So understand, uh, this doesn't make me a Christian, a pew doesn't make me a Christian, or chairs don't make me uh, a liberal or whatever, but I'm saying there are certain things that ought to make us clear that we are the children of God. You say, Pastor, I know what it is. Uh, it's the length of hair. No, it's not the length of our hair. Oh, preacher, I know what it is. It's how long the skirt is and all that. No, it's not even that. If you study your Bible, there are certain things that say this is the mark of Christianity. These are Bible Bible landmarks, and I'd like to give you a few of those tonight. Why? I believe in one generation we have lost our ancient landmarks. Boy, I remember little, little Leave It to Beaver. He would come home from school. And uh, his mom would always be there at the dishes. Mrs. Ward Cleaver was, um, or Mrs. June Cleaver, she'd be at the sink. She was always so neat and prim and proper. And her house was perfect, just like all the women in this church. And I mean, uh, not one dish out of place, nothing, everything folded in just so. He would come in, come in, uh, come in, uh, Beaver. Uh, good to see you. Teacher called from school. Little Beaver would say, oh, what do you mean? She'd say, go up to your room, Beaver. Father will be home in a little while. He would go up there and brother, he'd go up there scared to death. Wally would be up there waiting for him. And uh, he'd tell, oh, I'm in trouble. I did this and that. And then he'd start getting some teenage wisdom. It was clear from Leave it to Beaver that teenage wisdom was always stupidity on steroids. Amen. <laughs> and that most teenage women wisdom uh, was exactly what teenagers are, dumber than a box of rocks. Amen right there. And they would, uh, and they'd come in. And then there'd be a knock on the back door and the back door would open and the bad guy would show up and uh, he would say hello Mrs. Cleaver how are you Mrs. Cleaver is Theodore here today his name was Eddie Haskell and he was the bad guy how do you remember Eddie Haskell they say that Eddie Haskell uh, became Alice Cooper the rock star I don't know if that really happened but it made for good preaching amen but I mean and uh, so he was the bad guy he was always a bad fellow hello Mrs. Cleaver how are you today is the little fellow around and he'd come up and he was really a mean guy. Hey, you little squirt, get out of the way. Get out of the way, Beaver. And uh, he would always give Beaver some really bad advice and Beaver would try to get out of trouble listening to his brother and Eddie Haskell. But about 5.30 every day, Mr. Cleaver, Mr. Ward Cleaver would come from an unusual word in the generation in which you and I live, a strange foreign word that most people are very uh, much allergic to he would come home from W-O-R-K. Work. Help us. Amen. And he'd come in. Mr. Cleaver would come in. He had nice gray hair. Hallelujah. 
nice graying at the temples and just had that sign of wisdom. And Mr. Cleaver would come in with his briefcase and set it down. Hello, June. Hi, Ward. Theodore's gotten in trouble at school. Where is he? Man, he didn't scream. He didn't carry on. He didn't throw dishes. The mom didn't uh, throw dishes and have a, a frenzy go, you got in trouble today. Ah! And she didn't freak out or stress out. Everybody was calm and everybody was cool. And uh, he would say, go get him. Little beaver come down. I'm sorry, daddy. I didn't mean it. I didn't do it. And he'd, uh, he'd be all repentant. And finally, Mr. Cleaver would deal with his son. There'd be repentance. There'd be restoration. They'd always get right and then old Eddie would slither out the back door to come back another day. You understand it was a picture of what a family is supposed to be like. We've replaced all that for the little Simpson family with little cursing cartoon characters that I can't even uh, begin to watch let alone repeat. We have replaced all that with dysfunctional little animals that curse and use the Lord's name in vain. We now have replaced that with these unusual uh, families with a man and a man and a woman with a woman. Let me tell you something tonight. God has two genders. Do I have an amen? Male and female. Read Genesis chapter 1 through 3. Male and female made he them. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. You don't get eggs out of roosters. You get them out of hens. Say amen. And understand the fact we are living in a generation who don't even know what day it is, let alone what we are. We now have 50 genders in America that you can fill out on certain forms, and now they've added another one. And that one means, the last one is not sure. We have 51 genders in America tonight. And how far have we strayed from God? How far have we turned away from God? Why? Because churches, it all begins not at the White House, not at the Congress House. It all begins in God's house. Churches, we have lost our ancient landmarks tonight. Now, I believe the greatest need uh, of the hour is to restore those old landmarks. The Bible said righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is reproach to any people. God said in Psalm 9 verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. God said in Psalm 11 verse 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And yet we can restore these landmarks. We can, by the grace of God, bring churches like this back into Bible Christianity and seek God. What landmarks are you talking about? I think number one, we need to restore the landmark of hellfire preaching. We sort of alluded to it last night. I talked about the fact that when I got saved in 1976, there were still some men of God still thundering the Word of God out. I'm not talking about Bible teaching, which is a good thing. I'm not talking about being smart and intellectual, which are all good, and, uh, and they're wonderful things in their place, but it used to be a day when we had leather-lung preachers who would get stirred up, loosen up their necktie. I mean, they'd break out in a full sweat in the third or fourth minute of their sermon and preach like a house on fire and preach like they were urgent about something going wrong in their generation. This is why Paul, the last chapter that he ever wrote to Timothy and near the end of his life before he died and lost his head on a Roman chopping block, he said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the, and the dead as his, at his appearing preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. But the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves, next word, help me, teachers having what? Itching ears. People tease me because I don't like cats. You know, your sins find you out. Do I have an amen? A few years ago, we bought our daughter a little Maltese, a little white Maltese dog. I'd almost rather have a cat. I mean, it's something else. I mean, dogs to me, brother, you know, a, a Rottweiler, <laughs> amen, a, a German Shepherd. You think about a dog. I think about out on Walmart parking lot, free dog, amen. And uh, we went and bought her. This dog was expensive. It cost a lot of money. You've got to be kidding me. I need a mortgage on this dog. Say amen. But we're living in a different, different world. But we've, we're living in the age. Good morning, radio friends. Dr. Broadjaw and Dr. Wiggleworm will share their thoughts on 
your best life now. You can be the better you. How to develop self-esteem, self-help, and self-acceptance. There used to be a day we preached on dying to self and getting on an old-fashioned altar and putting it on the cross. Do I have an amen? Now we're helping little self-centered babies and we're pampering them, hoping we'll win them to God somehow. God said to preach the Word of God. I remember a man gave me a tape uh, not long after those other tapes I mentioned last night. He said, Brother, you need to listen to this. This preacher's name is Percy Ray out of Myrtle, Mississippi. I listened to that tape. It was called The Red Light to hell. They said that Percy Ray would preach uh, that message. They turned the lights out. He had flashing red lights on. He had a chain and he would rattle it on the pulpit. You could hear him rattle it. He said, the devil's going to send some of you in the lake of fire. You need to get saved by the grace of God before it's forever too late. I could hear a woman in the background screaming and calling out to God under conviction of sin. Would to God we get stirred up about eternity and hell and the judgment and heaven say amen and realizing the fact that our names are now written in the Lamb's book of life. But no, we're more excited about a bunch of millionaires out on a ball field. And who's going to win this week? I'm not going off on this because I'm going to get in trouble. And this is your pulpit. (laughs) May the Lord help us. Friends, when that national anthem is sung, I think everybody ought to stand. And I think any employee, which is what athletes are, they are employees. And we are not fans. We are customers. Say amen. And I believe those employees ought to say, get off the field. Get out of here. You can do this wherever you want, but this is my venue. This is my store. This is my place. And so we are living in a generation of people who decided that evil is good and good is evil. And what we need to straighten this out is old-fashioned preaching one more time. I preached in a revival years ago. I was just a young guy and uh, starting out. And I preached at the Colgate Baptist Church over on Eastern Avenue uh, over near uh, Dundalk, Maryland. And I preached there at a little church. And the first night I got done preaching and a dear lady walked up to me and she said, Young man, I don't like your preaching. She said, You were way too loud. You were way too long. She said, you never stand still. You're nervous, as a, you're nervous as a jitterbug. She said, you need to sit still. And she said, you need to preach more like Jesus. I said, all right. She came back the next night and said, young man, I'm going to tell you right now. She said, you need to preach more like Jesus. I don't like that kind of preaching. And I said, well, ma'am, do you know that Jesus preached about hell a whole lot more than he did about heaven? She said, you need to be more like Jesus. She said that several times. And the pastor called me on uh, the last morning. I was a preach that night. He said, Preacher, I'm sorry. I've got people so mad at me. They are so angry with me. They're threatening to vote you, vote me out of the church. He said, Preacher, uh, there's a, this dear, dear old lady's mad. said, the treasurer called, said, he's not going to write you a check. He refuses to write you a check. Nobody in the church likes you. And uh, man, I said, this is bad. And he, I said, okay. He said, could you cheer people up tonight? I said, I will. I'll try. And I came to church that night and I, I met the pastor right before service. said, Preacher, you might as well preach because all I have on my mind is the judgment of God. <laughs> I said, blow the trumpet in Zion. And I said, all I have is a message on hell. He said, Preacher, I, you go ahead. He said, they're going to vote me out of here anyway. He said, uh, you might as well cast judgment on the whole crowd. And uh, Brother, I preached. And I could watch that, watch that lady. She was sitting there, brother. She was getting mad as a hornet. You could see the steam coming out of both ears and saying, there he goes again. She was looking at people. They were looking at her. You could see they'd been talking on the sidelines. They were angry. I watched that pastor on the platform just squirming with his head bowed, not knowing what to do. I got near the end of the sermon. I was almost done. I thought, I'm going to run out the side door. And I looked over to my right in the aisle over by the side of the church. And a dear old man started wheeling his way down in a wheelchair right down here. And he was over here by this side, and he just came down. He was weeping. I could see this. I said, can I help you, sir? His name was Brother Baker. I said, sir, can I help you? He said, I'm lost. He said, I'm lost. 
I'm going to hell. He said, I've been the treasurer. I've been a deacon. I've held office in this church. He said, I'm lost. He help me. Somebody help me. I said, let me help you. He said, no, no, I'm good. He said, I got one leg left. I'm going to bow it to Jesus. He got on his knees and crawled to the altar. And that old boy got saved by the grace of God. All I can tell you is that heaven came down, our souls to meet, and glory crowned the mercy seat. People started getting saved. God started moving. I mean, it was incredible. We had a revival meeting. And on the way out the door that night, that old lady came out. We got out of church late. And uh, she came out and she said, I got saved tonight, son. She said, you're my favorite preacher. Amen. I'm saying that God uh, works uh, through preaching. No wonder people are mad. Half the crowd that we're preaching to is lost and never been born again by the Spirit of God. If they got born again, they didn't get in the same way I did. I mean, half the people I see look like they're mad. Uh, uh, mad as the devil, just upset about everything. Oh, stirred, looking around. Oh, what's he doing? What's she doing? Listen, friends, we're saved by the grace of God. Hellfire preaching. Let me hurry on. Holy living. Holy living. Man, I came to church when I got saved. And pastor, that, that preacher, it's like he followed me everywhere I went. I mean, everything I did wrong, he would preach to me about it. And I mean, at some point in the sermon, without fail, he'd be preaching and say, I'm talking about you. And man, his finger would grow about 25 feet long and land right on the end of my nose. And he preached against sin and preached against ungodliness, and he preached against liquor, and he preached against filth and all that goes with it. It used to be we'd preach the devil out of people till they got right with God. Now we're so afraid of offending people. Well, you know, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna be too preachy. I was in a meeting not long ago and a young man stood up and said, well, you know, I don't wanna be uh, real preachy, you know, tonight. I don't wanna be real preachy. I, I almost said, well, then why don't you just sit down? Let somebody who wants to be preachy say amen to that. Somebody's got something on them and want to talk about it and get stirred up about the things of God. But we're living in a day where sin has become comfortable and acceptable. Used to be a day where people believe this. Listen to this. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. 1 Peter 1.15, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. We used to have our banner, holiness to the Lord, on top of our churches and stirred up about the fact that we're serving a third degree, thrice holy God, whose very name is when we get to heaven. You'll hear these words if you're saved. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Holy living. I won't illustrate for time's sake tonight, but I read the story about a dear man of God praying Hyde of India. They followed Mr. Hyde all over. They wanted to find something on his life. And the people of that day, they hired a young man literally to follow him. He went near his place of residence at night. He was out preaching. And the place where he was staying at 2.33 in the morning, he saw a candle come on in his room. And he went up to see what Mr. Hyde was doing and find him and catch him in doing something bad to start a story. When he saw praying John Hyde of India, he looked through the keyhole of that room and Hyde had a candle out. He was on his knees praying and that young man said his face was enamored. It was engulfed in the presence of God. Wow. He ran out of that cabin and said, he's a God. He's not a man. He's a God. And that young man got saved shortly afterward and told his story. Would to God that we had some holy people down at the house of God. Do I have an amen to that? Holy living. Hellfire preaching. But we used to have a landmark of hallelujah shouting. I love what David said. <laughs> I was glad. Man, I, I preached on this when we came back from the COVID lockdown at our church. I mean, people came in sort of tiptoeing around what's going on. Anybody who sneezed, everybody got away from them, amen? <coughs> you, you want to clear the aisle out, just, <coughs> you, you want to get, get a, if, if there's a crowd at the water fountain, <coughs> they'll all run away, amen? But, and I, I could tell the people were very intrepid, they were a bit worried. And I preached on, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Modern version probably changed that over to, I was mad when they said unto me, man, I see teenagers come in. 
chewing their little fingernails, rolling their little eyes, looking at one another, saying, what's he got to say? I'm telling you, we used to be happy in the house of God. Used to be a good thing to go to church, say amen. Every now and then somebody gets stirred up and raise a hand and just shout a little bit, hallelujah. Get stirred up about the goodness of God. I heard about a dear old lady, she'd wake up every morning and go in the backyard. When she got in her backyard, she'd go out there early, 5.36 in the morning in the back and just have a spell. God, you're wonderful. Jesus, you're so good. Hallelujah. I love you, Lord. Well, there was a man next door, and he was an atheist, and he'd hear her out there, and, and she woke him up. And at one morning, she went out and said, Lord, uh, I praise you how good you are. I don't have any groceries. We're broke. We need some groceries. Lord, please send some groceries along. And that man thought, oh, I know what, I'll get her. He went to the grocery store, bought all these groceries. He was an atheist. And he put them all on the porch. And the next morning when she came out, she said, Hallelujah, praise God. Lord, you give me some groceries. He came up out of the bushes and said, Ha ha, I gave you the groceries. It was me and I'm an atheist. And she just looked up and said, Lord, thank you, Jesus. You gave me all those groceries and used the devil to do it. Amen. <laughs> I'm saying, <laughs> Amen. You understand that? We need to get stirred up about the goodness of God. I love what Psalm 103 said. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquity, who healeth all thy disease. Bless the Lord, O my soul. My son and I were on a high school running track, and uh, we were out there in the morning early, and these two ladies came by on the running track. They had on their little running gear with the racing stripes on their little suits. They had everything matching. They had pedometers. They had the, the real nice, beautiful, brand new white shoes, new balance. And they came around and they were walking together, two black ladies, and they, they came by. And uh, they, uh, I, I saw one of them. They looked at me and uh, she, I could see, she, and when they were walking by, they, they were using the names of God. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Sidkenu. He's Jehovah Rophi. They were quoting the names of God. I said, boy, listen to those two ladies. They're not bad. Just say amen to that. No, why'd you say that? They've been saying, that guy preached all night last night. It was so hot in church. You know, there's a, you know, sister, there's a biter in the nursery. There's a biter. Oh yeah, he's bitten three kids already. Oh yeah, he's a stalking biter. Amen to that. I mean, they, that's what they'd have been talking about. Baptist women, amen. But man, they went around the track once and came back around again. And uh, this time they were really at it. And uh, the, the lady said, bless the Lord, all my soul. And she came by, I said, man, I said, Ed, bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. And she looked at me and said, who healeth all thine iniquity. And all, man, they, I said, hey, I'm going with them. I got up, took off. I said, praise God. They're, at least they're doing something. Amen to that. They were praising God. You understand God wants us. <laughs> I'm not talking about a fake smile. Have we had enough of those? Hello, friends. You know, uh, the little fake cheesy smile that in the 80s, we started preaching like if you're saved, you're always happy. We go through trials. We go through heartache. But how many believe this? There's joy in the journey. And in the midst of it all, we can trust our God. Now let me hurry. Hellfire preaching. Holy living. Hallelujah shouting. But one landmark that's being removed is heartfelt praying. Heartfelt praying. Lord, thank you for this offering. I know that thou art the greatest God who inhabitest all of eternity. You are the Lord God, Jehovah Rophi, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Jireh, and all the names of God. I don't want to hear all that. Man, whatever happened to people just getting stirred up and calling out to God? Say amen. amen. An old boy got saved in a revival we were in in Hagerstown, Maryland years ago. He had never been in, his church, in church in his life. The next night he came back, he had big old long hair and bibbed overalls, and we went into a prayer meeting with some men. It was lively, it was stirred up, we were all called out to God. So he said, go ahead, brother, pray, go ahead and take a turn. And I could hear him, he said, I don't know how to pray. I never prayed in my life. He said, go ahead and pray whatever is on your heart. And that old boy with that whole group, room full of men, he said, God, uh, 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 I'm, a, I'm a satisfied customer. <laughs> Got saved the night before. What happened to some heartfelt praying? Yeah, I mean, stirred about the grace of God. Yeah. I heard about a true story of a man in France 
when the United States came and finally liberated the French from Germany. They were celebrating all over France and the end of World War II. All the, the saloons were opening and all the places of business opened up. And one of our soldiers went over there with a group of men and went into a saloon. They had the beer opened up and all the men had big mugs of beer. And they handed him a mug of beer and he got the mug and pulled that stein, that big beer stein, up to his mouth. And when he looked into it, he set it back on the bar and went back around, all the way around the back behind the bar. And a friend found him back there on his knees. He said, what are you doing? He said, I looked into that beer foam. And I remember walking in with my daddy one morning as a little boy, he was shaving. And he had a big lather of foam on his face back in the day with a big, uh, with a big brush. It was all, uh, and he said, straight down through those two, uh, from both eyes were little valleys running down through the foam of tears. He said, Daddy, what's wrong? And Daddy came over and got on his knees in front of the little boy and said, Little boy, son, someday somebody's going to hand you a beer. Somebody's going to hand you a beer mug. And he said, my prayer for you every day, I'm begging God that you'll get saved as a young man and never give your life to that poison from hell. Yeah. And he remembered his daddy and on his knees behind a bar in France, he got saved by the grace of God. He remembered his daddy's prayer. Say amen to that. How many believe this, that God still hears and answers prayer? He said, oh, thou that hears prayer. Unto thee shall all flesh come. You say, preacher, I have a wayward son. I got a wayward boy. I got one that's gone down the hog pen trail. There's a God who's able to follow down behind him and put a hook into his jaw and a hook into his heart and bring him back to Calvary and get him right. Our God is able and God still answers prayer. I believe Brother Eborn will get those 13 more stations. I believe a man of God who knows how to pray and call on God. And I've been around Brother Clyde Eborn, and he is a man of prayer. And I know that he knows how to pray the old-fashioned way and call on God in his day of trouble and seek the Lord while he may be found. Heartfelt praying. And finally tonight, we need to rend the heavens. We need to restore the landmark of the heavens rending. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. My wife and kids and I traveled all over the country, and we lived a good bit of our lives in a travel trailer. And there was times when it was difficult, to be quite frank about it. It's not easy being in a little, in a trailer. We had a big trailer, but with five kids, it gets smaller by the day, Amen especially when they start becoming teenagers and bigger and all that. They're fun when they put them in a little basket and carry them. But we went all over just trying to have revival. We wanted God to do something great in our country. And we got in some churches where it just seemed like we were right there, like we were right there. We got in some churches where we got there. God moved in and blew in on the whole town and got... A large bunch of people saved by the grace of God and, got, uh, and saw God move in a great way. My heart yearns for that tonight. Do I have an amen? amen. That's the answer for America. Amen. They're fighting over the Supreme Court. They're fighting over whether we should be a socialist nation or a constitutional republic. Which one would you vote for? I pray every person here votes. Do I have an amen? amen. Well, I don't like Republicans. And I don't like Democrat. I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like Biden. I'm going to tell you this. I love America. Do I have an amen? And we ought to vote. The closest thing we can. Forget the people and start looking at principles and vote the closest we can to the Word of God. Say amen. But still, that's not our answer. I've been all over the country and every now and then I'll meet a good old boy who will come up to me and say, I was in a revival. I was in a revival and saw God move in a great and mighty way. The children are out of here. Do we have a young man here that's somewhere, maybe 10, 11 years old? What's 12? Any young man that's that age? Put your hands up. 10, 11, 12. Son, would you mind, would you mind coming up here just for a minute? I'm not going to ask you to sing or preach or anything like that. Come on up here. Just stand right over there for me, would you?
What's your name? Tyler. What, Tyler? Thank you, Tyler. Just stand right there. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. What about some young man that's 16, 17? We have a young guy like that somewhere in that age, 18? Where are you? Anybody? 19, all right? A teenager, a young man. 20. Come on up here, brother. All right. Come on up, Mike. You're all, or Mark. You're okay. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you. Come on up. Not going to ask you to do a handstand or anything else. Come on. This is Mark. I've seen, I've seen kids get tortured by preachers. I'm not going to do that. I promise you. you just stand right over there next to Tyler, would you please? How about a young man? 20s. Somebody in your 20s. Anybody at all? 20s. Early 20s. Mid 20s. Come on over, brother. All right. How about somebody uh, late 20s, early 30s? Come on up. Come on, brother. Just stand right here. What's your name, sir? Kevin. Come on, stand here next to Mark and Tyler. Need a guy in your early 30s. Quit making me pull so hard. We're running out of time. Hurry up. Come on up. Young man in your 30s. Come on up, brother. All right. How about in your 40s? 40s. Somebody in your 40s. I'll start selecting volunteers if I need to. Brother Miller, don't get up. You know, in your 40s. All right. In your 40s. Come on, brother. All right. What's your name, sir? John? Kevin. And what's your name, brother? Michael. Come on over here. How old are you, Michael? 45. All right. All right. You look good. You don't look, you don't look 45. All right. 50s. Somebody in your 50s. Come on up here, Brother Miller. You're it. You're going to mess my illustration up there. Come on up here. I know that. All right. How about somebody? Let's jump. 60s. 60s. <laughs> 60s. I know I don't look a day over 90. All right, come on up, brother. You're in your 60s. You look good. And then 70s. 70s. Who's the 70s? And you can hear me. Come on up all the way over here. I need you. And then I need somebody. In, all right, come on up, brother. Anybody in your 80s? Anybody up in your 80s? Would you come up here? 80s. 80 years old or older. Come on up, brother. Come on. Just stand all the way there. I'm going to ask you all a question. What's your name, brother? Bobby. Brother Bobby, thank you. What's your name, brother? What's your name, brother? Donald. Brother Donald, thank you. That's a good name. Amen. Hey, Tyler, how old are you, son? Ten. Ten years old. Tyler, did you know that in 1903 was an incredible revival in Wales? One of the greatest revivals the world has ever seen. That the entire country of Wales went to church. They shut down the coal mines. They shut down the soccer fields. They quit. They didn't even play. The police almost went out of business because crime went out. And the police of Wales and four precincts formed quartets to go to revival. In the Welsh revival, over 120,000 people got saved by the grace of God in four months. Did you know that? Have you ever seen a revival like that? You ever heard about a revival in Roanoke Rapids that shut bars down, that shut uh, ball fields down, and people quit doing other things because the whole community went to church. Have you ever seen a revival like that? How about you, Mark? Have you ever seen a revival like that? You ever heard of one like that? No? Okay, so, all right, it's good. Man, a few words, amen? All right, good. All right. Kevin? Never seen it. Okay, how old are you, Kevin? 28. You're 16, right? Just turned 16. Got his driver's license too. So congratulations on that. John. 30. 30 years old. You ever seen a revival like that that shut the whole town down? You think there's some places in Roanoke Rapids that need to shut down? You think there's some bars and abortion centers and ungodly houses of ill, Ill repute and places that are taking people out of church. You know, we used to go to church on Sunday. Now everybody's got little league. May God help us. Do I have an amen? amen? Coach said, oh, we're having practice this Sunday. I said, not my boys. They won't be there. He said, your son's the starting quarterback. We're in the playoffs. I said, he won't be there. He said, oh, you promised me he would never be on. Yeah, but this is the playoffs. I said, no, we'll be in church. Say amen. amen. You know what he did? Well, we'll have it on Monday. You can take a stand. Do I have an amen? No. Never heard of one. Brother? Brother Miller, wait a minute. Hold it. Brother Miller, you've been all over. You've been around one a great man of God, Brother Eborn. Never seen old-fashioned gully washer revival. 
that blew the whole town out. Brother, what's your name, sir? <clears throat> Brother Andy, how about you? You heard of one. How old are you, sir? Can I ask 62. you? 62. That's a great age. I'm 64. Amen. All right. Brother Bobby, how old are you now? Can I ask you? 73. Ever heard a revival like that? I haven't really seen one like that, huh? How about you, brother? Brother Donald, have you been around a revival like that? How old were you? I was young. You was young. I've gotten older now. Yes, sir. Been a long time since you've seen a revival like that, isn't it? What happened? What was it like? I mean, all right. All right. A lot of people got saved. You know, I met a dear man, Buffalo Ridge Baptist Church in Gray, Tennessee, line up just like this. Man, 93 years of age, he started weeping. He said, I was in a revival like that. He said, it was up there in a holler. It was like the Hatfields and the McCoys. There was hatred. There was bitterness. It was all going on. And he said, old brush arbor meeting. Have you ever heard that old word, brush arbor meeting? We had a brush arbor and brought preachers in. He said, it went on for months. We couldn't shut it down. He said, everybody in both hollers got saved. And he said, and they all met at the brush arbor. And there's an old church over there right now that we built, a Baptist church, because revival broke out. Here's the question. How many believe that that's what we need tonight? Wouldn't you like to see Tyler in an old-fashioned revival? Some of you have little children. Wouldn't you like to see your kids in a Holy Ghost revival where the heavens are rending and where people are called to do ministries like the Millers and like the Rutabakers of the Brewbakers and missionaries that your church supports around the world and say, by God's grace, here am I, Lord, send me and have that Macedonian call upon their life because God is doing something great and God is doing something in our midst. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate your help with that. And I like to do this tonight. We so need revival in this generation. It can still come as you and I call upon God. Where in 1858, ships pulled into New York Harbor and had to weigh anchor because the sailors couldn't. They were so overcome with conviction that in the SS North Carolina, named after this state, over a thousand men got saved on board of that ship because a revival broke out and they called for preachers on skiffs that came out and preached the Word of God and led them to Christ. That's what America needs. That's what COVID needs to do to us, to bring us back to our knees, back to God one more time. I was like as our instrumentalists play and whatever our sister has on her heart. I like with their heads bowed, with their eyes closed. wonder how many of us tonight might say, by the grace of God and with His divine help, I want to restore the landmarks in my life. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.